Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL. I've been so fortunate to get interviews with all three trumpets of Minozel Brass, Thomas Gonch, of course, Robert Rother, and now this one with Roman Renberger. I think you're really going to enjoy this. And before then, here's a word from my sponsors. Messina Covers is not just any other case company. David Messina and Erica Howard design and produce some beautiful cases that fit both form and function. And you can choose your case design, fabric, and trim color, add custom engraving, and more. And of course, you can find out more at MessinaCovers.net. Peter Pickett and his crack team of craftspeople are continually innovating and providing the trumpet community with spectacular options for stock and custom mouthpieces. He and Eric Murine can help you find just the right size to fit your needs, and you should definitely consider trying the acrylic cup and rim. And if you're in the market for a custom trumpet, then Peter and Eric can build a Blackburn trumpet just for you. Check them out at picketblackburn.com. To stay current on what's going on with Studio HFL, you can follow me on social media on Facebook and Instagram. And you can watch the live and pre-recorded interviews on the YouTube channel. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe. My first experience with a Hammond design mouthpiece has turned into a bit of obsession. There is something very comfortable about playing one of Carl's mouthpieces. The comfort, response, and sound are part of the HD experience. Try one of the stock mouthpieces or have Carl make you a custom one. Either way, everything is better in HD, and you can find out more at carlhammonddesign.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, I hope you are, I would love it if you would take just a couple of minutes and go to Apple Podcasts to leave a star rating and a review. Doing so will help improve the visibility of this podcast and draw more listeners. When I first tried an Eastman B-flat trumpet, I was blown away by both the playability and the sound. And the more I found out about the company and got to know the people, I knew that this was a company I wanted to have a relationship with. There is a drive for excellence in design and production of every instrument, not just the high-end products. And the proof of this is that the one and only Doc Severinsen helped to design the Eastman Beginner trumpet model. I still play that B-flat and have a, added a spectacular cornet and flugelhorn to my arsenal. You can find out more at eastmanwens.com. I'd love it if you'd visit the Studio HFL website and sign up for the weekly newsletter. And while you're there, you can also visit the merch page and buy a Studio HFL shirt for yourself and as a gift for someone else. Of course, you can do that at studiohfl.com. My current situation with my C trumpet is a bit ridiculous. My Shire C, which Samantha Lane helped me trial and choose, is the most versatile C I've ever played. The same goes for the new Destino designed by Doc. This horn sizzles when I need it to sizzle and is as smooth as silk when I wear my sil uh, Never mind. Uh, anyway, the line of Shire's trumpets includes the Q series, which are production models, and the custom series. Either way you go, you'll love the sound you get, and you'll also experience exceptional customer service. Find out more at seshires.com. Here's how you can access exclusive content like the interview excerpts. I'd like to invite you to become a part of the Studio HFL community by going to Patreon and choosing from one of the four tiers of support. You can help to financially support the show for as little as $36 a year. That's only $3 a month. Benefits include exclusive access to interview excerpts, a behind-the-scenes report, an invitation to be in the room with a guest during an interview, product discounts, and more. You can join the community of faithful supporters by visiting patreon.com 
slash Studio HFL. Guten Abend. <laughs> Guten Abend. Welcome. Well, it's nice to meet you. Larry, thanks for the invitation. I'm really happy yeah. that you um, are with me and uh, that we can have a little chat. I, yeah. I checked out your, your podcast lately. I didn't have <laughs> the time to uh, listen to too many things, but I was sneaking around a little bit and it was really nice. <laughs> well, good. Really, Thank you. Yeah. I had, fortunately, I had a, drive, a long drive in my car, so I really had time to enjoy it and don't be stressed by uh, yeah, just doing it because it's, uh, yeah, even those times are hard, uh, there's still <laughs> lacking of time doing things that are really right. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So I just, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, I just released Robert's uh, interview this week. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that one, but. Uh, to the whole one, but I, I think I, had, I got the first 10 minutes. Uh, it was just yeah. day, I think, when I when I was listening to it for a while. Yeah, what what a treat and what a what a nice guy. I really really yeah. thoroughly enjoyed talking to him. And uh, you know, I I'll say the same thing that, to him that I said to you was, you know, of course, I feel like I stalk people, right? I've I've watched you on YouTube uh, for years, and I've seen two of your concerts live here in the states. Where have you and, been? Uh, um, it was uh, both uh, yes, 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 and once in Birmingham, Alabama, and once in uh, Pennsylvania, somewhere in Pennsylvania. Both were eight-hour drives, and right. and worth every every bit of it. But one one was at the beginning of the tour mm -hmm. uh, when you had the big blow-up uh, rocket, and the other was at the end of the tour and the rocket didn't exist anymore. <laughs> so, um, but very enjoyable. Do you remember, you don't remember certain cities, do you? I mean, I know you remember the shows, but do you recall certain cities that you're in? Well, sure. There is always some highlights, you know, either you meet somebody that you didn't see for a long time, or you just have a little bit more time on tour. You know, it's not so easy to, get to see things uh, like if you're in a nice city. So every now and then you keep it uh, where you have been. But honestly, the shows you just mentioned, I, I really don't remember. I don't remember <laughs> there, but <laughs> I have yeah. no, no idea when it was exactly and where it was. Exactly. Sure, sure. Well, I, w I wouldn't expect you to remember <laughs> when and, and where exactly, but... Um, well, how are you these days? What are you doing right at the moment to stay busy? Are you teaching? Are you are you performing yet again? Well, yeah, we started performing lately. We had a few shows. Many shows have been postponed or canceled. And uh, also till Christmas, we have some plans, but we still don't know if the plans will work out. So we are hoping the best. We just can't tell in the moment where it's going to lead us. And... Uh, well, I'm teaching again. University started already, and I, yeah, I started teaching two weeks ago, and I had I, I didn't see my students for a long while because while the COVID uh, lockdown, we had online teaching, and uh, then I saw them about like two, three, four weeks before the summer break, and now there was a long break too, and now we started working again, and it's it's fine. It's nice to teach a little bit again, and. Yeah, in touch with those guys. How long have you been teaching? 
Well, um, I think I started with chamber music in my university about eight years ago, and I think, or nine years ago, I don't remember actually. And two years later, I got the trumpet position. And, and uh, yeah, I'm very happy to have this job uh, beside Not So Brass because um, it's, for me, it's actually the best work I, I, I can do. That's the most enjoyable work I do. And um, it's a really nice um, thing beside playing because you, you keep in touch with young people. It's just a completely different setup the work and I'm very independent in what I do in the university. That's not the case in the band. You know, we have to always figure out things together and it's always, it's always uh, a group work. So that's why I, I, I really like my, my, my university job. And yeah, I have very good students and it's really fun to, to work with them. Did you ever imagine yourself teaching at university? Well, <laughs> to be honest, when I stopped in the orchestra, um, about uh, 16 years ago or 17 years ago, I don't remember. My plan was that 10 years later, I want to have a professorship in the university. But that was just a plan. And it exactly happened like this. I couldn't believe it, but it was like this. It was like that. And yeah, I'm very happy about that because yeah, it gives a little bit more security besides the playing. And yeah, I just love that work. It's just great. Mm -hmm. Um, so what kind of students do you teach? And I'm not familiar with, uh, with the European model of, of university. Um, mm -hmm. Is it a two, three, four year program or do you do a graduate level program or both? We do bachelor and masters. So mm -hmm. the students come after um, school. So they start about 19, 18, 19, 20 years old. And then they have a four years bachelor degree and then a two years uh, master degree. And it's all people from basically everywhere, some Austrians, but also from, from uh, other countries. And it's just a regular university trumpets. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the international standard for bachelor and masters. Okay. I, I don't know why I thought it would be different. I just, well, I wouldn't know unless I asked, <laughs> you know, just to be sure. It's really changed. Also with the European Union, they tried to uh, like equal the status of the, 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 the educational things. And that's nice because then you can a little bit more compare uh, the situation of the students. And it's easier also for us if somebody comes, for example, for, comes from the States, you can just get it where they are and, and what they can expect. And yeah, it's nice to have this. Do you have to recruit, do you have to recruit quite a bit or do you just find students coming to you? Well, honestly, easily? because I think uh, there's a lot of uh, trumpet students who want to study, but um, <clears throat> I think nowadays it's really, really essential that you pick the ones that are really willing to do the work and it shouldn't be just like a little bit more than a hobby because it's really hard to uh, get work and earn money. And till now I'm really grateful because every, every one of my students got a job and really nice jobs. So I'm, I'm really happy as I'm not teaching that long. Uh, it's maybe not that hard to say that, but uh, <laughs> it, um, I think it's very essential that the students really understand what what they have to do while they study because it's a long 
time to study and it's, it's, it would be a loss of time if they wouldn't understand that those years are really, really essential and the work is really important that they have to do. Yeah. I, I wish I could convince some of my students that, that it's not a hobby. They still treat it that, that way. And it's like, you don't understand how much work this is really gonna take because yeah. how many thousands of trumpet players graduate every year and are gonna compete for those, mm. you know, those very few jobs that are out there. So yeah, you have to put in the work. Uh, so you have to put in the time, I think, because the older you get, the more you have other things to take care of. Either it's a family or just the fact that you have to earn money. It just You just don't have so much time anymore. And if I look back to my studies, I, I was studying a lot. I, I think I changed every two years to another university and uh, it had... It looked a bit weird what I did, but I just went everywhere where I thought I can catch something new. And then when I had the feeling this is good, I went to the next place. And I think I moved like 13, 14 times in those years. And, uh, but I had a really, really good studying. So were you switching mainly because of the person you wanted to study with or was it a, a particular university you wanted to experience? No, it was always the person because um, either it was the teacher, the person, uh, or it was the institution. I got some scholarships. I got a scholarship in Zurich Opera House, and I got a scholarship in Berlinville. Um, and so that always kept me away from finishing my studies, actually. And I was, I think I was 32 when I finished my studies. I had a job in the orchestra already. And Thanks, uh, thanks to the University of uh, Basel in Switzerland, they, they took me as a 32 uh, old one with a position and I could finish my master's. And this was the most enjoyable time because I had my job and I had time to study. And I was really, really, really happy to, to get a degree and just have time to uh, study again. It's really nice. Mm -hmm. Was it the orchestral focus the whole time or were you also studying as a soloist through that? Basically, I did a lot of orchestral stuff because when I was, I was, I don't know how to express it in English. I was very late in everything. I had a lot of crisis when I was young, a trumpet player, and I lost a lot of time. And when I got my first position in a youth orchestra, we have those huge youth orchestras in Europe where you play really the major halls for a one or two months tour and you play really nice projects with uh, really... Um, big names as conductors. Um, and when I, when I got my first position there, I played, I think the first thing I played was fifth Mahler all over Europe from Moscow to Berlin. And when I did that, it was so clear to me that I, I want to do this. This is my, 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 my wish to, to work as a solo trumpet player. And so I, I really put all the time in there to get a nice position. But when I had my positions, I actually did a lot of solo stuff too, especially when I, when I started in Switzerland. So this was really nice then. You said you came to it late and, and I understand that completely. I mean, that, that translates to English very well. And, you know, a, a lot of people start school. I started university, but then dropped out and went into the service mm -hmm. and then finished. And, you know, so I came, I consider myself coming late to things mm -hmm. as well, but um, were there, I mean, you don't have to, I don't want to get too personal, but I mean, were, what were some of maybe those circumstances that caused you to, to get behind a little bit? 
well, the trumpet and my playing and my practicing. Oh. <laughs> I had, you, you have to understand, I was, um, I had, my, my first teacher was my father and he was my teacher for 10 years. So I started with six or seven and then I had only him as a teacher and he was, he was doing really good. And, but you know, I don't know how old your children are, but if you if you have this thing in the family, it's always, it's not easy. It's not easy for the father. It's not easy for the son. And, and actually my first uh, uh, teacher I had outside of my family was when I started studying with 17 years beside uh, school. And, uh, I just wasn't prepared for that. I, I didn't actually know how to practice. I, mm. I wasn't aware of what classical music actually means and what, what you have to do for it. I was in a completely different world actually with my trumpet. So I got really bad crisis and I, I just couldn't play anymore. I changed my amplitude. You know, it's the story that basically <laughs> everybody can tell. And I, I really couldn't play for one year. I couldn't, the highest tone I did was a G1 for one year. And it was a really bad time because I was actually, I, I was actually not a, a bad trumpet player before. So many people knew me and I got into the university quite early. And so you, you have kind of a reputation, but you, as you can't play, you have to hide yourself. So it was really, it was terrible. And uh, well, a friend of mine once, uh, when I asked him for, for some lessons, he just told me into the face, man, what are you doing? You can't play the trumpet. You have to change something. You have to go somewhere else. Otherwise, this is like, it's going to be a never ending story. And um, yeah, then I went to Germany and I, I, I started with Malte Burger. He's a very famous uh, German trumpet player who knows awfully lot about techniques and stuff. And I was studying there for three years and he actually pulled me out of that uh, thing and after three years I, I could play again and then I went back to Salzburg when I where I actually started and uh, then I went to Hans Gansch for two years and uh, then I went to uh, actually to Zurich for the uh, for the um, scholarship already and then to Berlin for the scholarship so then everything went pretty fast but those first years of my studies have been really awfully bad and tiring especially the time in Germany was really hard because Malte is a very tough teacher he really knows his stuff but he was I, I never did service I, I never had to serve and I always say this was my military because it was really <laughs> but it was good if if he wouldn't have been there I wouldn't play the trumpet anymore it was really tough but, yeah. But don't you think that that experience now makes you a better teacher? Because if you have a student that comes to you that's experiencing something like this, now you can relate to them, I, yes? I think I can. I can basically understand every problem that you can have on the trumpet because I think I had it, all of them. <laughs> and that's very helpful on the one hand. On the other hand, what I sometimes maybe miss in my teaching is that I just let things go. And I always try to put it onto the technical path and try to help people really to understand what they do wrong. And I also know, but that sometimes just playing and just letting loose also helps, but uh, well, yeah, it's maybe everybody does it different. I have a very technical approach and it helped a lot of people already, but I think you can always do better. No question. Yeah. 
Um, so let's go back to you going through university. What what kind of things were you focusing on? Was it more of a lyrical uh, flow study, Chickowitz uh, approach? And I don't know if Chickowitz is big overseas, but um, it was, yeah. I was happy enough to study with another teacher who studied with Chickowitz mm -hmm. in in uh, Chicago, and I learned a lot of this air stuff and it was a very natural way of playing. When I started with Malte Urba, it was very technical. Then I changed to Hans Ganscher, it was very, very musical. Then I changed to Klaus Schuwerk. He was a student of Chikowitz. That was also very um, intuitive and, and with a lot of air playing and stuff. And so basically I got from all the extremes, I got something from the very technical side to the very lyrical and musical side. So I was happy enough to really get uh, very um, yeah, strong polarities in, in, in trumpet playing and technique and stuff. And so now with your students, how do you construct their studies? Is it a balance between the technical or, or I guess depends on the student? Yes, I mean, you're, you're gonna approach one differently. Some of the guys come and just can play. This is actually very nice then because we can really focus on the music. Uh, some struggle a little bit sometimes. Uh, it You know, it always depends. I had some guys like Matthias Gernstock or Selina Ott, they just came and they had a very solid base of, of trumpet playing already, even though they have been very young. Some others just needed to get some advice how they can improve their playing. I personally think that it's really hard to talk about music on the trumpet as long as you just can play the instrument in a really good way because um, it's, you know, I always compare it with spring players or just woodwinds or stuff where they also have their problems in playing, no questions, also have, are really hard to play those instruments. but. I think sometimes they they may be a little bit closer to achieve musical things earlier in their playing, mm. and that's why I really take care of my, my my students that they have the ability to express themselves on the instrument because um, I think this is the, the the base of everything. Otherwise, it's just playing something and you think that you do music, but actually you don't. And mm -hmm. I think the standards are very high nowadays. It doesn't matter if you make it into the orchestra or in music school or just um, whatever else you do with the trumpet. I think the, the skills must be really good nowadays to, 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 to be able to get some money out of it. There are more younger, better players now than when, when I was growing up, you know, I, I look at, at these people coming into college, university now, and I'm thinking, they're scary good. Mm. You know, I'm thinking, I, I wish I had been that good <laughs> at that age. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's funny. It's, uh, I think also it's a, it's a new generation of, of young brass players coming along now because many things changed in the brass world. I think it's way much more musical than it was uh, years ago when I studied because there was there was a very strong base in Europe on the on the wind bands and on the inter music and stuff like this, but there was an orchestral playing for sure and also solo playing, but there was nothing in between. And I think now in terms of chamber music, there is so much new stuff coming up. Either people just play folk music in their own way, or they just try to do crossover stuff or just arrange 
things for brass ensembles, like like not so brass does. You know, there's so much more uh, life in brass playing music now, and yeah, it's just great. I really like that. As you were saying that, uh, Gunhild Carling popped into my head. Uh, do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> I just love her energy, but it seems like she can play any instrument. Um, she has way too much energy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I hope to get a chance to interview her at, at some point too. But um, So these days, I mean, you're teaching, but what are you, like when you're practicing, what's, what's on your stand other than what you have to prepare for uh, Nozil? Well, what I try to do constantly is to improve my playing and finding out where are the borders that keep me away from doing what I actually want to do. Because, you know, as a trumpet player, everybody knows this feeling. There are days where you just take the trumpet and everything works very seldomly. And uh, <laughs> most of the time you, you're just struggling with some things that don't make you happy. And I just, and this is also the part of my university job. I really want to be helpful and not take my students on a detour to let them find out how they can work things out better. So I think it's, I, I did a lot of research the last years because I'm so interested in just understanding why it's so difficult because trumpet playing can be so super easy. It's not actually tiring. It's not very complicated if you do the right things, but if just one screw is wrong, uh, it can be ending in, <laughs> disaster and I went into uh, neurology and brain science a lot because I think there is a lot of things going on nowadays in science where they can really explain things way much better because you can look into the brain literally with all those MRIs things and and I really liked it especially in terms of learning so when you understand how the brain works and uh, you can actually save a lot of time uh, practicing if you understand that the brain actually must be able to understand what you want to do. Because if you, if you understand those basic things, and I always boil it down to rhythm, intonation, and sound, that's actually uh, the most important things, especially rhythm. I don't know why, but I, um, I, I, I said this to one of my students a few days, the rhythm, in terms of when you practice it for uh, some pieces that you have to play. So I think rhythm is one of those things that are really completely underrated in the teaching. So many people could play way much better if they would understand that their rhythm is not as good as it could be. And this is a lot of brain stuff that is actually very easy to solve just by clapping, touching yourself and get yourself uh, in connection with your body. So brain-body connection is very, very important. I like that mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, Bobby Shu is that same kind of person who's very much into the physics, the physiology of you know all the muscles and the, the neuroscience that goes along that way. Um, that's, that's something that, well, <laughs> no pun intended, but blows my mind you know, to, to try to think of it that way. But um, so, uh, did you start on trumpet or did you have piano or were you a singer first? No, the, the first thing actually I got was a drum, a little uh, like a steel drum or something. I started on small drum. I, I, I went on with recorder, I think because I had to play it in school. I don't remember that actually. And then 
I think it was six or seven. Uh, when I was six or seven, I started with the trumpet, and uh, yeah, and this really was uh, totally cool. My father was a trumpet player, so I was just happy to follow him and. We did a lot of folk music together, what we still do nowadays when I'm at home. We always go on the lake on a boat and play a little bit together. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. Very traditional Austrian thing. And uh, yeah, it's like, it's actually like singing together. As even we, we don't sing actually because I'm a very bad singer, but uh, <laughs> actually, that works for you very well. Yeah. I lived in Germany for four years near uh, Stuttgart. <laughs> 1970 to 74 and what I remember on the weekends is we would go my dad was in the the Air Force but we would go to uh, Ludwigsburg and uh, Salzburg uh, Switzerland we would we would drive as far as we could but we would do a lot of volks marches and of course we would hear a lot of music Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so when you say folk music, <laughs> unfortunately, the first thing that pops into my head are polkas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that fair to say that's, that's not all that folk music is? No? Well, but it's, it's a major part, I have to say. You know, it's like the, those, those wind bands in all those little places where I come from. Every little village has a wind band, and you basically played back then polkas, waltzes, and stuff, and marches. And but was it, what I was talking about before with my father is more like like songs. Actually, that's actually songs, and we play them on the trumpet. It's very, it's very something very calm and 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 simple. Mm-hmm. But through that, you can do a lot of music. So this was actually a very good school for me to actually play together with somebody else. I think this is very important that you train yourself to listen because that's the only really, really uh, huge um, uh, thing I think you need as a musician. You have to be able to listen as good as possible besides playing by yourself, for sure. Well, yes. <laughs> uh, so early uh, early influences, I mean, you mentioned uh, uh, Hans Gansch and I've, I love his sound his tone is just beautiful especially on cornet um what who were you listening to i mean obviously your father but who other what other players were you listening to well you know back then there haven't been that many players that i was kind of connected to because you know it's like it was in their 70s maurice andre was a very huge uh idol for me I was uh, actually discovering Canadian brass pretty early. I like those guys very much, but I, I I was a very young boy when I heard them the last the first time, and I I think I didn't listen to them for probably thirty years. I don't know, and uh, um, unfortunately, I never meet them when we're on the road. We I think once we we had the same spot in Finland somewhere, but we we didn't have the chance to talk. So, yeah, um, who else can I say? Um, I wasn't so much in, in, in classical music back then. Um, Walter Scholz was somebody, uh, maybe you don't know him. He was a legend, but he just played this, you know, trumpet uh, geek stuff. Uh, he was a very, he was actually the principal trumpet of, uh, of a radio symphony orchestra in Germany. 
but he I think he sold more um, um, he sold more uh, how do you say uh, um, LPs Mm -hmm. Yes, albums, LPs, yes. Yeah, Maurice André. So he was super popular. This is really crazy. And yeah, stuff like this I was listening to. So it mm -hmm. was like yeah, Carnival of Venice stuff, up and down, stuff like that. Yeah. But later on, I for sure, I, I got to discover all the other guys. One, sure. Actually, when I, when I started in Germany, it really started that I get influence from everywhere because Austria is... Yeah, it's it's small and tiny, and people don't look so much over there. Um, how do you say that in English? Uh, uh, like, uh, it's overlooked. I mean, yeah, like it's it's a little bit like this. Things really uh, change. Yes, like, you know, you now nowadays everybody knows everybody, but uh, back then it wasn't so easy. So there was not so much influence from outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, how many years did you say you had performed uh, in orchestra? Um, All together as a professional, it was like five, six years and before in some students and, and scholarships. And and after that, I was asked to switch to North Zealand. That's what I did. I quit my job mm -hmm. and went to Vienna and, and started with the band. So and let's talk about that opportunity. What... <laughs> What was your reaction and who, who came to you and said, we would like you to play with our group? I mean, you you'd already known about the group before this, I would imagine. Well, I knew the group. I saw them once live, but I actually wasn't really connected to them because they all started in Vienna and I never started in Vienna. So I, I just listened to them once and that really, uh, that was really thrilling for me. It was really cool. But uh, I know that Gerhard, one of our trauma players, he played a lot together with me when, we, when we've been young boys in quintets and stuff like this. He actually mentioned that they could ask me when they were looking for a new trumpet player. And then Thomas called me um, on the phone. I was in Germany in the orchestra back then. And he asked me if I could imagine to quit the, the job and just move to Vienna and play with them. And it was just the right moment because I thought of changing my orchestra and getting another job somewhere else. And yeah, I just did it. I, I tried it. And after a few weeks, I, I felt that this is maybe the right thing. And I just quit my job. I was on a little vacation in the meantime. And yeah, and since then I'm doing this. And it was a good decision. It's, it's a completely different life from being a, like employed in an orchestra and being just self-employed uh, with a group like Nozilla Bus. It's a completely different lifestyle. And I have to say, it's it's pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like you enjoy uh, you enjoy being there. Uh, what, what was that like um, playing that first show with them? How much time did you have to prepare? Well, not so much. We had, uh, the, the thing was that the guy, that played before me in Nozobras, I tried to meet him like twice, asking him what, what he played and what would be my part. And he just didn't remember. And I found that a bit weird back then when he told me that he doesn't know what he played because I thought, man, you did that for a few years. How can you forget about it? But now I really understand what he was talking about because as you play a show so often, 
in a row like we do sometimes we play a show 100 times 150 times and there is no music uh it's so strong in terms of autopilot you really can't tell it's 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 really weird you know how the how, how the whole group plays and what everybody's playing and you, you you just put yourself in there but if you have to play your part alone it just doesn't work so <laughs> sometimes it's really weird when we have a break of two months or something and I, I start to play my stuff again it's like sometimes I really I really just don't know where where I have to get into the music and sometimes I need a stone and then I know how to start but well my first show was was a bit tricky because on the day when the first show was I think there was still three pieces I I, I didn't know what to do or what to play and uh, we just went on stage the others told me to just go on stage with them and do as if I know what I have to do. <laughs> and this was my first show. And when we, I think after like three or four weeks, we recorded uh, the seven DVD. And I already really know, I, I knew what I have to do, but it was still a little bit tricky because it was every now and then things changed a little bit. And I, yeah, back then we didn't play so much from, from music scores. So um, nowadays we, actually play way much more from sheet music what mm -hmm. we learn by heart but uh it's there is something you can rely on and look back and find out what you have to play if you don't remember anymore <laughs> so was it was this an easy transition for you for your personality to because you know this is some pretty at times some pretty crazy things that you guys do on stage were you ready to go right into that or were you a little bit like i'm not sure i can do this <laughs> well honestly i i really enjoyed myself because it was so different to everything else i did before it was just very refreshing we had some discussions about how we promote the band and how we do things and uh yeah i wasn't i wasn't always 100 percent with 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 the others in, in terms of how we do this. And I took over a few things like also producing the DVDs and the CDs and stuff. That's what all I did in the last years then. Also doing all those um, like uh, layouts of the CDs and DVDs. I, I really love to do this artwork stuff. And yeah, so, but basically I, I, I just loved it. Going on stage, having no music, in terms of sheet music that kind of distracts you more than, 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 than it helps you sometimes. And it's, it's, I really can recommend it to everybody to uh, try it out and just play by heart. I know that learning music is a bit tough in the, in the, in the, in the beginning, but that's another brain thing. If the brain is not prepared for doing this, uh, it's just slow. And if you do this for three, four days and just don't stop forcing your brain to just keep it, what you play, um, it suddenly starts to keep it. And the, the more you do it, the faster it gets. And, and sometimes, yeah, it's getting really quick then. And it's such a relief to be on stage and just move. And the movement is so um, nice in terms of uh, if you don't feel well, you just move because then it's you don't freeze. That's what happens a lot to if, if they have uh, anxious, if they're anxious or, or, or uh, in, in fear, and that's another thing I was I was um, uh, doing a lot of research uh, also for myself because I'm also it's, I'm not the most confident person on, on the planet. So um, yeah, I had to 
learn a lot about myself, how I can get along with this job, because it's, it's not easy. You stand on the stage basically every day when we're on tour at, and it's at least 1000 people in the audience. And if you don't feel well, if you don't feel uh, confident, you still have to play and at least act as if you <laughs> feel confident. And that's not always easy, but uh, it's a part of the game. It, you say that, and I remember uh, the show at the beginning of the Yes, Yes, Yes tour uh, in Alabama. Uh, I, you were, you must have had a cold. I, I could tell you, you weren't feeling well, yeah. but it, you, you couldn't tell. I mean, the playing was still spectacular. And, you know, I mean, of course, that's what you do, right? That you, you have to step up and you have to do, you have to deliver. But uh, it, it's funny that, you know, you remember certain things like that. Uh, but, uh, and that was also a tour that started with, um, oh, uh, your tuba player, uh, uh, Willie. Yeah. And, but it finished with Albert. Yeah. It finished with Albert, yeah. Yeah, and both terrific. I mean, but yeah. that that was weird to to have a change in the middle of the tour. Yes, Willie just uh, took a break. He took a sabbatical. Uh, for us, it doesn't matter so much if we would change in the middle of a tour or at the beginning or the end. You know, we just yeah, it's it's really hard to replace somebody because uh, basically we never rehearse if the tour is like. Uh, uh, premiered, we basically don't rehearse anymore. So it's really hard to to bring somebody new in. But in this case, it was necessary. And we, we, did, we did a few rehearsals. And then Albert was with us for the rest of the tour. And he did a very good job. And then really came back. We just did another show. And that's also sometimes a lot of pressure that you just, you have to play. So there is, you, you can't be ill. I mean, you will be ill, but you can't be ill. And uh, you <laughs> on stage. And believe me, we had really weird situations already where uh, where they literally had to drag us on stage just to be on stage so the band can play. And this is not the, the nicest part of this work because, um, well, sometimes it's like this. If you have the flu or if you have any other trouble, you just still stand on stage. And mm -hmm. that makes you tough on the one side, but it makes you also very vulnerable because, uh, yeah, it's it's... It's the, the, it's the, yeah, it's the game. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you, you've known Gerhard for a long time. You'd played together in quintets. Um, did you know any of the others prior to joining the group? Not really, not really. I actually knew Thomas. I met him once or twice a few years before I started, but couldn't tell that I was actually close to anybody or that I really knew who they are because otherwise I mm -hmm. would have thought a bit more about if I started in the band. <laughs> Everybody is a bit weird in a very positive way. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, that makes the essence of the band on the one hand, but it's also sometimes not the easiest collective of musicians to work with. But I think that's the part of the magic of the band because you couldn't construct something like this. So it's like nobody is uh, the same in this band. Everybody's really, really different and, and all those uh, yeah, things that turn out of these uh, differences are making the magic of the band. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I I've been on the road a tiny bit. I understand, you know, the dynamics outside of 
the performances, you know, it's, it, it's tough being with people. I mean, that's just, that's, shouldn't be a secret to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think all those different personalities, seven different people on stage. Yeah, it's absolutely, I think that's what makes that work. You're right. It's, and it's, you know, I, I asked Robert, is the personality on stage who you are off stage? And, you know, I kind of wonder, is that the same with everybody? Do, you know, is there, uh, I mean, Thomas is Thomas. Yes. I mean, he's outgoing, <laughs> I think all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Zoltan and, and the others are, are there, is that their personality off stage as well? Well, it's hard to say. Sometimes I think it's the part that you just can't show in in public uh, uh, in your normal life. That could be one thing. But on the other hand, you have to just understand that this is a show and it's show business and you go on stage and you act the way you need to act in a way as a trumpet player. You have to yeah, kind of push things a little bit and... It's a game, actually. So I, I understand that people think sometimes that we are how we act on stage, but we are not mm-hmm. at all. So we're sometimes really different in a way, but who cares? That's the business. And I actually don't care so much what people think about me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, nobody knows me who doesn't know me. So, yeah. Uh, I interviewed uh, Carol Dawn Reinhardt uh, a while ago, and I don't know if you're familiar with her, but Apparently, uh, uh, Thomas, Leonard, and uh, uh, Willie, what, what is, yes, uh, were students of hers. And she told me what troublemakers <laughs> they were. Um, and it was, it was really funny to hear that coming from this, this sweet, sweet, uh, I won't call an old lady. She, I'll, I'm going to edit that out. She's not an old lady, <laughs> the sweet a sweet trumpet player. Um, but, uh, oh, anyways, that's, that's beside the point. So uh, I just went on the website the other day and saw uh, Phoenix is the name of the new show. Uh, can you, are you allowed to give any insight into maybe some of the music or, or the theme? Well, the funny thing is that it was actually called Pandemonium a few months ago before Corona. And it was a very weird show with a lot of, weird stuff going on and then corona hit us right when we started to go on stage with it and we never actually premiered the show uh because we we have like two pre-premieres and then there was the shutdown and then we didn't see each other for uh many weeks and after that time it was clear that this show is actually kind of dead because we didn't play it so we got a lot of restrictions anyways, how we have to um, organize our shows time-wise, you know, we're just allowed to play 70 minutes now and there is no break. So Mm. we actually threw everything out of that show, called it Phoenix and created it new, completely new. There is uh, still music out of Pandemonium, but uh, it's a lot of classical music. We play a lot of uh, like really well-known stuff like uh, Vivaldi's uh, Summer of the Four Seasons. We play a compilation of Requiems, uh, Verdi and, and Brahms. And so, yeah, it's, it's 
again, music we never played before because we always tried to come up with something new, even though this is really hard for us because we are not really 100% classical players as a band. Some persons are, but not the whole band. And it's always like uh, something that forces us into uh, learning something new and really get to uh, do things that we never done before. And I think we're going to manage that too. Maybe it takes a while. And I hope that we play the show a lot to get into, into that kind of mode and shape that we can do it very well. But it's going to be okay. It's going to be a good show. One of my favorite uh, pieces off of the Yes, Yes, Yes tour was the Shostakovich String Quartet. Mm-hmm. It was, had to be difficult. I mean, it's got to be hard enough to play on strings, <laughs> but it, it was so exciting. And just to hear, to hear the way you guys played that was, that, that made that my, well, I won't say, I, I can't say, I had so many favorite parts of that. The, uh, the uh, Kachaturian was also the, the really long uh, Spartacus. Yeah, uh, just beautiful. But uh, yeah, that, what was it like to put that piece together, the Shostakovich? Well, that was Gerhard's input. He, he's always looking for some new music. And I think Shostakovich, we played some Shostakovich pieces already in the last years. And it just fits so good for our band because I think Shostakovich has so much emotion and so much power that you can express, I think sometimes better with brass instrument than with strings, even though I like the string versions very much. But I think I think if you play it the right way that I think Shostakovich would have liked it, um, it's, it's perfectly done. So it's difficult mm-hmm. kind of, but on the other hand, it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like written f- for, for brass players. Mm-hmm. And I think it fits perfect. I, I, I love it. So it's mm-hmm. just great music. Also all his orchestral pieces for sure. It's just, yeah, great, great work. So what is your, do you have a feel like there's a real strength that you have with the group? I mean, you're playing, yes, but is it, do you, is it the technical thing, the lyrical thing? What do they tend to give you uh, part-wise? Well, it's hard to say. We all, can do something special. And I think the funny thing is that sometimes people think that we all can do everything, what is absolutely not true. So we have kind of not a specialist for every different genre, but uh, some people can do certain things better than the others. And we always try to mix them together in a way that uh, it comes out as the whole band can do it. And I think, I, I don't know, I, I think I can play lyrical stuff very nicely and sometimes also technical stuff like, you know, this like Green Hornet stuff. Well, it always depends. I, I couldn't say. I mean, I'm not the, the lead trumpet player, but um, yeah, I, I don't need to be because Robert and Thomas can do that very well. So I try to take care of other things <laughs> that they don't like. <laughs> well, it, it's funny too, because I, I always thought that Thomas was the high note guy, but I've heard Robert really play brilliantly and it doesn't look like he's working very hard either he he's an animal really so (laughs) he's very very strong uh high note player and it's just not he's not jumping on stage like show off and tell everybody that this was from him now uh so yeah but yeah all together it's it's just a nice mixture that we can we have completely different instruments. We have completely different sounds. We have also completely different approach to music. 
But the funny thing is, if we play together, it's like, yeah, we just, it just works. It's, if you do that for so many years, it's, but it, it, it was like this from the first second on. We didn't have to, we didn't never, we, the trumpets never had major discussions about things. Maybe the trombones did, but the trumpets did not. <laughs> Well, you know, but I like too that Thomas has his Gonchorn, Robert plays the rotary and you play, well, I've seen you play a bunch of different ones, but you're mostly on the piston. Um, but yeah, it all works beautifully together. And I, the trombones, I think they all play something different. I think it's all from Chagall. It's all Chagall instruments, but mm -hmm. they have been so um, nice and asked us to create an own model for everybody so everybody could choose the things that mm -hmm. they wanted to play with so yeah that's that's nice but all together it's kind of a sound out of the same uh brass manufacturer and that yeah. why it works so good so do you have a rendberger model yeah i do <laughs> oh i'm gonna have to go to the website and check that out oh very yeah, nice we, we, you know it's for me it's I like it. I play it. I like, really like to play it. It's a very stable horn. You can play it very loud on it. It's, um, yeah, you can, you can check it out. You, it's called Roman Empire. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you can buy it if you want to. I think it's a very nice horn. It, it, it covers a lot of things. You can play classically very nice. You can also play like all the other stuff, commercial stuff. It's no problem. It's just a very uh, universal horn because that's what we actually have to play with not so we play everything from classic right. to somewhere else so it just works good roman i this has been a lot of fun i, I i'm glad we finally were able to to find a time and and make this work so um i i've had a good time I, and it's nice to to be able to sit and talk and find out you know so much more about you and uh of course, people know the group, but I, you know, I wanted to know more about you. And so thank you for sharing all of that. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a pity that we didn't make it to the States because in March we had to stay at home instead of going to California. It would have been a really nice tour. I don't know. I think the next one is postponed already. So it's going to be like March 22 when we come to the States again. So I hope that everything will work out till then and uh, we can play again in your countries. Well, it'll be nice. I, I don't know that anybody's gonna let an American overseas anytime soon. <laughs> so it'll have to be, it'll yeah. have to be uh, you visiting here. Mm -hmm. So, well, uh, thank you very much for joining me. All right. Well, again, thank you very much. And, there is uh, please for my for my English sometimes it's it's, it's I, I'm not talking so much English in the moment so but I hope you could understand what I wanted to say every word every word it was perfect yes Thank you. so danke schön gerne tschüss <laughs> have a good time and hope to see you in person soon yes thank you all right bye 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 ciao ciao